know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K23. I am your host as always, Mo Mootsi. Alongside me as always, the one and only Mr. BJ Armstrong. Real name, no gimmicks. <laughs> no vibes. Well, we're here, BJ. We're 250 episodes deep and we promise the next 250 are going to get even better. So let's get straight into it. Right, As you guys at home know, this show is brought to you by NBA 2K23. And NBA 2K23 have just launched season five of the game, which features Tyler Hero as the signature athlete who is the leading face of season five. So if you haven't played it yet, make sure you go check it out. My team, my player, all that good stuff. But speaking of Tyler Hero, BJ, it's time that we discuss the Miami Heat because the yes. Miami Heat are in a bad place right now. They've lost four straight games, including a Friday night loss to the Milwaukee Bucks where Giannis wasn't playing, followed by a loss to the Charlotte Hornets. And I know everyone says heat culture and they're always going to find a way and Coach Bo will find a way, but things aren't looking great. Now, over their last four losses, the Miami Heat are shooting 28.8% from three. Mm. And to make that even worse, they're mm. shooting 25.4% on what the NBA defines as wide open three-pointers. That means a mm. three-pointer when a defender isn't even within six feet of you. Now, you might just say they're in a shooting slump and it will even out and they'll start hitting their shots. But over the course of the season, here are the teams with a worse offensive rating than the Miami Heat. You've got the Houston Rockets, you've got the San Antonio Spurs, and you've got the Charlotte Hornets. So looking at it from an offensive perspective, you'd think the Miami Heat are in the Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes. Now, luckily for the Heat, they've got a fourth-ranked defense right now in the NBA. That's keeping them where they are. They're currently the seventh seed. But Jimmy Butler has come out and said, after their loss to the Charlotte Hornets, that he's tired of losing. Now, they did sign Kevin Love and Cody Zeller. What impact do you think they will have on this team? And are the Miami Heat capable of turning their season around because the playoffs are not far away. Well, well, as you know, that's a loaded question. However, you know, when you look at their team, it's glaring that they are very small. Okay. You look at their guards that they're currently playing right now, you know, Tyler hero and, and, and the Vincent kid, Bam out of Bayou is an undersized center. They have Jimmy Butler playing, you know, he was playing the power forward position. I think they just added Kevin Love and inserted him into the lineup last game. And even though Kevin Love is 6'8 or so, into, by today's standards, you know, he's relatively small. When you look at the teams like, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, for instance, or, you know, your Boston Celtics, you know, everyone has 6'8, six, 6'9, six, small forwards, two seven-footers at any given time on the floor. So they're a very small team. And in today's game, you know, they're not a team, you know, when you talk about Jimmy Butler, he's an f- excellent player. He plays terrific, you know, on both ends of the court, you know, as a two-way player. You know, they're a team that, you know, you don't think of spreading the floor. You don't think of a team who plays downhill with pushing the tempo, you know, like a De'Aaron Fox, for instance, or a Ja Morant. So, you know, they, they got to really look at their team and figure out what's their brand of basketball that they're going to need to play that they can impose their will. That's going to give them the best opportunity to win. 
I wouldn't say they are a team that plays fast. I wouldn't say they're a team that spreads you out offensively because of their shooting. I wouldn't even say they're a team who, you know, will look to look for matchups with one-on-one players. So they are a, a team right now. They have good players. However, I don't think they have an advantage at this moment. And they're looking and they're searching to figure out how they play. Now, the one staple that you would say about this team is they they play hard. I think they play very well on the defensive end and they play selfless basketball. But overall, they don't have a player that plays this brand of regular season basketball. Okay. The playoffs is a different game, but the regular season, you're looking at them going, where's their advantage night in and night out? And you can see right now that they're struggling to find their true identity in the regular season that will translate to the postseason. And right now, they are, you know, a 500 ball club right now, and they're searching for answers. Kevin Love, Cody Zeller, I think that's what you said, right? Yeah, that's picked right. Up those guys. So I think they're trying to address the first issue, which is how to get bigger, because they have a hard time playing against the bigger teams in the league, right? The Joel Embiid's, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks. Those are big teams, and Right now, they're trying to address that. So, you know, one thing at a time, they have great coaching. You know, they I do like their their culture, what they're trying to do. However, they're going to have to figure out talent-wise what they're going to need to that's going to work for them and how they really want to play. Yeah, we all know Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches the NBA has to offer. We know Jimmy Butler, when it comes to the playoffs, he is one of the premier talents in the NBA. We've all seen what he's capable of in that playoff setting. Bam Adebayo is getting some shouts from some people for defensive player of the year. Tyler Harrow is a young scoring guard that can come in and give you buckets. Now the rest of the team, the three-point shooters haven't been doing what they usually do or what you would expect them to do. But for me, the failings of this roster and the reason why they are in a position that they're in is because of the lack of action from the front office. Now they just picked up Kevin Love and Cody Zeller. But before that, They were the only team in the entire NBA that since August 2021, bear in mind, we're in 2023 now, made no moves. The only moves they made was trading Casey Okpala for some draft picks and trading Dwayne Dedman to get underneath the luxury tax. They, in that time, have had PJ Tucker and allowed him to walk for nothing. Markeith Morris walked for nothing. So as the rest of the Eastern Conference has strengthened their rosters, in particular the contending teams, when you look at the Celtics adding Brogdon and Derek White, when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks just picking up Jay Crowder now and they even added Joe Ingles who started to sell in, when you look at the Sixers who added James Harden, the Miami Heat have done absolutely nothing. So for me, the failings of this team, as it were, because when you're in a team like Miami, lay on the front office and the lack of action that they've taken – They've historically done a great job with developing their own talent, but that hasn't been enough to carry them through. And the reason why all of this concerns me is Jimmy Butler is 33 years old. He still has four years remaining, including this one, on the contract that he signed, which was a monster contract to the point where when he's 36 years old, a player that relies on his strength and athleticism to attack on the inside, not his jump shooting, he will be making $52.5 million dollars so my question to you bj is do you think it's fair to jimmy butler to allow the miami heat to look at some moves in the offseason and move to build around the younger players of hero and adebayo because the timelines don't match up 
the talent around those three guys I just mentioned isn't enough to go in a deep playoff run unless there's some, you know, great fortune for the Miami Heat. Do you think that the Heat are going to make a big move this offseason to either bring in pieces to build around Jimmy Butler and go all in now or to move Jimmy Butler along and look a little bit to the future? Well, I think the major question, which, which I see, is they're going to have to address the frontline situation. You know, currently, as I, as I look at Jimmy Butler, in fairness to him, you know, he's been playing out of position literally all year. Now, he is strong. He is athletic. When he can play the two position, Mo, he gives you an advantage because he is a big guard and he is he can overwhelm you with his athleticism, his strength his ability to play through contact as a two. Now you start putting him at the four, Mo, and it's certainly there are guys just as big and, and stronger than him and taller than him. Now he can do it in stretches. However, to, for him to consistently do it, you, you, you got to give up something. So if you put him at the two and you put Bam at the four, now you have a chance to have a big team. So I think you have to look at saying, do we have enough pieces, right, you know, and move things around or whatever it is to put our best players at their true natural positions? Because if you start off with Bam at the four and Jimmy Butler at the two, I think he got something. However, both of those guys currently now are playing out of position. And Bam, by the way, was an all-star playing as a five. So I'm not ready to give up on them, but I am ready to say, Right now, we're going to have to build, but we got to put these guys back where they belong, right? Meaning what's best for the team. You know, Jimmy Butler is still one of the best players that plays on both sides of the ball right now. As long as he can play that position, you know, his at the guard position. You put a 6'7", a, 6'8", a small forward next to that. You get a starting center next to Bam. Now you plug in at the lead guard position. You're back in business mode from what I can see as far as from an athleticism, an athletic viewpoint and a talent, you know, talent. I mean, you're talking about two elite all-star caliber players right there. And then you can fill in the rest of the pieces. So I'm not ready to give up on them, but I am ready to say, okay, the experiment of trying to plug and play with these guys in not their natural positions, I think has shown out that it's wearing over them, especially Jimmy. I mean, you, you, you go from playing a guard position to playing a power forward position. That's a big jump as far as, you know, the pounding and playing really as an undersized player at that stage of his career. Well, only time's going to tell what happens with the Miami Heat, but something definitely needs to change. And I think this season could potentially be a wake up call for them. But BJ, you know, I mentioned at the start of the show, we're 250 episodes deep and we wouldn't be able to do this show without the love from the fans. So I want to get the fans and the listeners more involved. So what we're going to start doing is we're going to be reacting to a whole lot more of the fans' takes and answering a whole lot more of the fans' questions. So if you guys listening to this want your questions answered, want your takes reacted to, get into the Discord server, which is linked in the bio, in the description of the podcast. And there's a thread in there, and it's called Let's Hear From You. And put your questions, your hot takes, whatever you want in there, and we'll be going through them live on air. Because today, we've got one that's been sent in by Ryan Corbett. He says, should Nikola Jokic win an MVP this season? Because he thinks the Joker gets so much hate from all sides and isn't really respected by the mainstream pundits out there. 
Why this is, I don't know. I would love to see you guys talk about this on the show. So first of all, thank you, Ryan. Thank you for sending in your question. Um, To answer the media side of the question, you've got to remember everyone in the media has some sort of agenda. I'm not going to say any names, but if you're looking at different criteria that make their favorite players look worse, then they're going to come out and hate on the one guy. But the MVP award is voted for by the media. So people out there clearly do like Jokic. He's got two MVPs already. And he's on track to win a third. I think the last ESPN poll amongst voters put Jokic at winning a third MVP. But speaking of winning a third MVP, the only players in NBA history to win three consecutive MVP awards. BJ, do you know who they are? I'm going to say Larry Bird. It's got to be one. Correct. Of them, right? um, yep. Bill Russell, is he in there? Is, is That's he, right. Is yep. Hmm. How many is it? Four players have done it? Three. Just just three have done it so far. I don't know. Kareem. I have no idea. Oh, close. Is Wilt Chamberlain Wilt is the other okay. one on that list. Okay. So, you know, before the season began, everyone thought that Jokic wouldn't be in the MVP race because voters get bored and they were like, he's got to do something historic this season to win a third straight MVP. And he's come out and he's done exactly that. He's on track to be the first ever center to average a triple-double throughout season. He's got the Denver Nuggets up to the number one seed in the Western Conference. He leads in every single pretty much advanced statistic. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm not trying to do the spreadsheets here. But he leads in almost every single advanced statistic and cumulative statistic that you can find. So, BJ, I'm asking you, is Nikola Jokic your MVP so far this season? And if he's not, who is? You know, Mo, I, 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 you know, I, I have my own standards of how I view the MVP. Okay. And it has shifted over the years, which is fine. I am, I, I consider myself an observer of the game, right? It's not me versus anybody, what the media says or what have you, you know, the first, I, I, I don't see anyone who dislikes Jokic, right? I don't know how could you not like him. So I don't see that, but maybe it's out there, but I'm not on social media. You got to get like more that. active on social media, BJ. Yeah, you got to get I you don't, active. I don't, I don't, how could you watch him and not like him? <laughs> right? Like, so that's, so whoever doesn't like him, I've been considering either you don't like basketball because who wouldn't want to play with him? And, you know, he shows up every night as a professional. So when I watch him, I go, all right, if he is an MVP caliber in my standards, now this is my standards, okay? This isn't the meet, the social media or the media. This is my standards. The first thing is, what is your impact on winning? That's the, that's the first thing. And as I watch him, I believe he's only been to the conference finals once. I believe that was in the bubble, if I remember correctly. That's, that's correct. Okay, he's been to the finals, and look, he's put up massive numbers, individual stats. His numbers, you know, you can it's been a lot of players that put up numbers. However, my MVP will always be the most impactful player on winning because winning shows up in a way that says not just on the offensive end, on the defensive end as well, because the, the defense is what allows you or allows your team the greatest chance to win a championship and play. And 
there's no perfect player. If you ask me who I think the MVP is this year, it's been Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum, you ask me right now, Jason Tatum has been the most impactful player on both sides of the basketball. What he does for his team. He was in the NBA finals a year ago. Clearly, it wasn't just, you know, now when you look back on it, you go, okay, he didn't just have a good year. This guy is better, I think, this year than he was a year ago on both sides of the basketball. He's gone through some adversity with his coach and team and all of those things. And if you're asking me right now, because winning matters to me, it will always matter to me. You know, I get it. Stats and, you know, coaches make decisions to give your team the best way to win. And they play through you on the offensive end, so forth and so on. But if you're saying today, the most valuable player, it's, it's Jason Tatum. I think he, with about 20-something games to go, he is, you know, I watched him last night versus Philadelphia. I think I text you. And I yes, love it did. players. <laughs> I love it when players don't play well and they impact the game. I love it when play. That's when you see who's who and what's what. You know, because he was like, going up against another MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, who was having a huge uh, night. Yeah. And and Jason Tatum didn't play particularly well. No, he he had one but of his he, worst games of the season. But he rebounded exceptionally well. I think he had like thirteen rebounds. And when it mattered most, he showed up, and they hung around on the road. I might add, they didn't play well. They Joel Embiid was incredible. I mean, he had, what, 38, 40 points or something? Yep. Philly had the crowd going. It was a great game. I mean, Al Horford, again, they get these incredible, timely contributions, unlikely contributions from players. Al Horford suddenly is playing like Steph Curry. He's shooting threes everywhere, talking <laughs> to the that, fans. Yeah, he, he had four three-pointers in like five or six possessions. That's what I'm saying. I love I it mean, because <laughs> Al Horford know, came and finessed 100 million from the city of Philadelphia, and then he's come back to, to haunt them again. Okay, so I and then in the end of the game, as the game starts getting closer and closer and the, the, the energy ri- rises to another level, Jason Tatum, out of nowhere, rises to that level and suddenly – just makes an incredible play. I mean, that was just an incredible offensive play at the end of the game. Good defense, by, by I might add. A well-played game, it was just better offense. I mean, what can you do? You like, what can you say? You like, they contested it. They knew the play was coming. Jason Tatum just makes a spectacular play. So, I think Jason Tatum is the best, most impactful player, and he's deserving of the MVP because of his impact of what he's done. And I think the Eastern Conference from top to bottom is better than the Western Conference this year. Okay. And so if you're asking me, and, and I'm not taking away anything from Jokic. Jokic is, listen, you could add the numbers up. You could say all those. That's great. But it's in the end, I don't think anyone would convince me and say they're like saying Denver is going to get to the Western Conference finals, let alone yeah. – the, the final. So I think if if he's the MVP, we should at least have the expectations of saying he can carry them to the Western Conference Finals. Right now, Phoenix is going to have something to say about that. Okay. There, there, there's teams out there. You know, everyone keeps saying if Golden State's healthy, 
you know, the Lakers still, you know, Laker Nation is going to still, you know, Dallas. But it's not taken away say he won't do it. I'm just saying from start to finish this year, in my book, it's it's been Jason Tatum. Well, first of all, that has shocked me because I was here ready for you to say either Giannis or Joel Embiid. I did not expect for you to say Jason Tatum because I feel like in the popular opinion, he's kind of dropped out of the top three of the MVP conversation. The one thing I will say, you know, with your reasoning for the MVP is, you know, Jokic only making the conference finals once and Tatum being in the finals last year. It's a regular season award. It's the regular season MVP. Mm -hmm. I don't, people say they should have a playoff MVP. The playoff MVP is the finals MVP because if you didn't get to the finals and win it, you're not the MVP at the playoffs, are you? So the reason why I think someone could make a case for Nikola Jokic is look at the strength of the supporting cast. Boston might have the deepest team in the NBA. The Denver Nuggets, on the other hand, do not. When you look at all of the candidates for MVP, whether it's Tatum, Giannis, Jokic, their supporting players are far superior than the players on the Denver Nuggets who are still the number one team in their conference and have one of the best records in the entire NBA. So when you say looking at taking a team into the postseason... Well, it's a lot easier for Jason Tatum to do that when he's got Jalen Brown, he's got Al Horford, he's got the Time Lord, he's got Brogdon coming in off the bench who could be a sixth man of the year. When you look at Giannis, he's got Drew Holiday there, he's got Chris Middleton there. When you look at Embiid, he's got James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. When you look at the Nuggets, sure, Jamal Murray's back, Michael Porter Jr.'s back, but really and truly, they're not on the same level, in my opinion, as the supporting cast of the other guys. Add to the fact that the biggest knock on Jokic is his defense, but Michael Porter Jr. is an awful defender. And Jamal Murray is not exactly known as a stopper, yet the Denver Nuggets are still the number one seed in their conference. So looking at just the regular season, I can definitely see how Jokic, who's putting up a triple-double on insane efficiency and making all of his teammates play better than they have before, could very well be the MVP. I, I Listen... If you want to just put numbers and stats, that's great. You know, when I when I look at that, and I just don't look at the offensive end. I look at the defensive end. I think Jason Tatum is an all-defensive player this year. Why do you have Tatum over Giannis or Embiid then? Because defensively, I think Giannis because, is far superior because, to the rest of them. Because Jason, you know, Jason Tatum has been playing – at a very high level for the consistency in which he's playing, you know, his availability, availability means something, you know, and, you know, I don't know who, who's played more games or what have you, but just in my observation, I don't know who's played the most games. I'm going to assume Jason Tatum has, as far as if you say Giannis or Embiid, I think he's been more of his availability has been there. I mean, he's been incredibly, for me, when I watch him play, I go, he's the best player. I mean, Marcus Smart is defensive player of the year, but Jason Tatum, I mean, I just, I watched him defend the other night. I was like, this guy is taking on this matchup. He's taking on that responsibility, not just as a great offensive player, which, but his shot selection to me has really improved. His patience has really improved. His passing has really improved. You know, 
you know, I don't know the stats, but he doesn't seem to have those careless turnovers like he did. <laughs> you know, he would have uh, these like awful BJ, turnovers. I, I'm begging you, stop reminding me of the NBA finals, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, but, but when you watch time. him, okay, <laughs> when I, as I'm watching him, I see growth in his game. Yeah. So much so to where I'm saying he plays the game at a elite level on both ends of the floor. And that, to me, is what has set him apart. You know, he it set him up. He plays the game, not just on one p- half of the game. He guards the other team's best player when he has to. He takes on the double team when he has to. He rebounds. He passes, and he just does it all, which is an impactful way to win. So, I just think he's been the most consistent player. I love Giannis. You know, I I love Giannis. I love I I love Giannis. Okay. They're on a, currently on a 10-game winning streak, right? <laughs> right 14. Now. 14. 14. Yeah, okay, 14. They're 10 and 0 in the last. I just I know I read something. They're they won they're 10 and 0, right? Yeah, yeah. Jason Tatum. Wow. Like I, I just see him. Yeah, they're on a 14 game winning streak and they're still second place behind the Celtics. It's, it's, I hear what I you're mean, saying. You say, and I just I I again everyone has the media has their thing. And I'm hey, everyone do your thing. I know it's a new game. But for me, winning matters. I can't put anything past winning. I don't care if you average 100 points a game. You got to win. Do what you got to do to win. Winning matters to me. And Jason Tatum this year and how I view the game and how I view the game, because it's a team sport. I can't ever forget that. I just think he's been, I, I think he's just, he's been the best out of everybody in the league thus far. And in terms of your question about games played, Tatum has played 57 at the time of recording. MB's played 47. Giannis has played 48. And Jokic has played 53. So if you say the best ability is, is availability, availability, then, you know, he's up. I try, I say, I, I don't, again, I don't know that. I just, I'm just telling you what I see, right? When I watch okay. him, like, I, I like, like today, I was so impressed with him yesterday. Like, I, that was an impressive, like, okay, he wasn't even at his best. And he was still the best player. That yeah. lets me know, like, he, he, say this. If you're going to beat the Celtics, you better have beat them last night because Jason Tatum wasn't very good. Nope. You're not going to get that type of effort back-to-back with a great player. So and the way I look at it going, okay, if you can't beat him when, he's that, when he plays like that, you literally have no chance to beat him because he's a great player. He's not going to play. He's not going to play. <laughs> So he's not going to have two ba- bad games back to back. So in a seven game series, that's over. In this, this Joel Embiid can't play any better. Al Helford and them guys, hey, they made the big fella work. Okay. The big fella was, he was sensational. I mean, Mo, the guy, Joel Embiid was sensational. A little bit of flopping in there. He did a little bit, but you know, that's what he does. But you know what? I don't think there's much you can do. As no. far as adjusting, well, I don't think as much Doc could do. I don't think as no. much 76ers, but there's a lot that I saw that the Celtics could clean up. I want to I dive into how Embiid has been so great because I saw a few things, but that's a conversation for another day. Right now, we got to talk about another MVP. You know, at the start of the show, I told you guys about season five of NBA 2K23 with Tyler Harrow, but they've also dropped some radiant packs in which you can get a Galaxy Opal 98 overall Allen Iverson. BJ, you don't play my team, so you're not going to understand what that means. But mm-hmm. a lot of the listeners will. 
And if, if you are playing, you've got to go get that. But speaking of Alan Iverson, it got me thinking, BJ, right? Because on 2K, you can create your dream team. If I asked you to create your ultimate starting five around Alan Iverson, oh, who wow. would those five players be? But the catch oh, is, the okay. catch is, you can't just be stacked with, you can't just say Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Durant. It has to be Alan Iverson okay. plus one other player who you would consider a superstar or an all NBA talent. And then three kind of very good role players that could fit okay. into that. I, team. I, well, I, I know role players, but you know, when I saw Alan Iverson and I saw them play, I go, God, I, I would love to see a team around him because Alan in my mind, the player he evolved into, you know, I wish early in his career, he would have taken someone's advice, my advice or someone who said, why don't you play the point guard position? You couldn't guard him with the twos and threes, six, seven, six, eight guys. Imagine guys my size, six, one, six, two, having to guard him. You had, you literally, you didn't have a chance trying to guard him with six, 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 seven, six, eight guys, let alone guys my size. Okay. So here would be my, you know, these guys are stars, but I'm really just looking at what I want to surround him with because of the player now that we know that yes. we call AI. Okay, the 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 guard, the matchup made in heaven would be you put Gary Payton next to him. Okay, the glove. So the glove, and now Allen Ivers can just run around and be AI. Glove ha glove will handle all the defensive assignments. Now AI can just run around. That to be, but that's that's the first thing. Okay. The second, I, who I want to put next to him. I want to put speed next to him because Allen Iverson, who could play the, the same way or run as fast as he can, but get out of his way. That's Ben Wallace. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put Ben Wallace at the, at the center position. Why? Because Allen Iverson is, he plays the game at 90 miles an hour. Well, if you're going to, you can't put a big guy next to him who can't run. So I will put Allen Iverson there. The small forward who I who would thrive with Allen Iverson would be Scottie Pippen, <laughs> another guy who can handle the ball, could guard multiple players, and could move the ball and do the things. So, can you imagine at the one, two, and three, Scottie Pippen on the defensive end, Gary Payton on the defensive end, and Allen Iverson playing in the passing lanes, and then you got Big Ben behind him? Okay, and then my four. You know who my four would be? Just to put it, you're gonna say KG. KG, there you go, baby. <laughs> now, now, now you're talking. Now you're talking. See, now you you get me excited. See, because everyone always likes to throw these star names out here. But let me tell you something. That team right there would give a lot of teams a problems. Why? Because while we're all talking about offensively, defensively, defensively, that team would be impossible to score on i thought about putting as i was talking i thought about putting dream there but i was like dream needs touches on the offensive end and you and dream is not going to clear off of ai so mm -hmm. i'm just saying ben wallace now it's just going to they're going to play a game where we're just getting up and down we're going to play at a pace that you like you said okay well i'm going to put kareem or shaq there okay that's fine i get it however we're going to play at a pace for 48 minutes that Shaq, I know, doesn't want to play at or Kareem doesn't want to play at. Now, maybe Bill Russell could play at that pace. Maybe Will Chamberlain could play at that pace because they were those type of athletes. The big fella Shaq is not going to want to play at that pace. Okay? Mm -hmm. Scottie Pippen, now, I never... Think about this, Mo. 
I get really excited when I don't have to waste a pass off of the defensive rebound. Waste a pass means I got to rebound the basketball, outlet, outlet the it ball. to the, yeah. I never have to outlet the ball. I want to rebound and go. Hey, I hear you. Gary Payton is going to rebound. Scottie Pippen is going to rebound. Allen Iverson is going to rebound. Okay, and KG can push it out for a couple drills. Now, I never, ever have to outlet. That's a problem. And anyone who understands the game to that degree understands. If you don't have to outlet the ball, your transition defense better be good. <laughs> okay? That's right? That's, that's right. I, I have, I have it, one it, problem, though. I have okay, one problem, what's your problem? I introduced this section of the show by saying you have to have Allen Iverson and only one other star. And well, you those gave other me a guys, team with, with five Hall of Fame players. <laughs> when you say star, I to, I, when, you, when you guys say stars, I think of like, you know, the Magics and those guys. You know. Okay, you maybe know I'll phrase We're going to do this again in the future with more players. Yes. But I'm thinking more realistically, right? Realistically, if we had all these guys, you could never have all of these guys on the same team. Like in the NBA, you'll never get that much Why time. not? Because they why don't not? have the money to pay all of those guys. Oh, if you God. put all of those guys in their primes to the NBA today, they're all getting a max, and they're not all going to be on the same team. Well, it depends on when they were all drafted. It depends oh, okay. on... We're not, we're not going down that rabbit hole, right? Yeah, I tried, to, on... no, I, yeah, I tried yeah. to come up with a more reasonable... A more reasonable... It's obviously not going to be as good as a Hall of Fame lineup, right? But I thought, okay, cool. I, got Alan I would love... Just give me Gary Payton and... Get, I would love to see Gary Payton and Allen Iverson play together. Why? Yep. Because you know what? That, that that would be the perfect compliment to him. I would love to see Gary Payton and Scottie Pippen play together. That would be really fun to watch, right? Because you're saying, okay, you got two guys. I think defensively, those two would be as good. All right. I would love to see, you know who I would love to see AI play with? Bill Lambeer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, one of the original stretch bigs. In this league, because and a tough I, all I want to do, yeah, all I want to do is put defense around AI, toughness around AI, and allow him to be AI. There's a lot of guys who could do it. You know what I mean? Like you, you could, you could put Dale Davis around AI. Dale Davis, okay, maybe he's not as phenomenal on the defensive end as as KG, but you know what? Dale Davis would be pretty good. <laughs> okay, playing with with AI. Okay. Rasheed Wallace would be Sheet. incredible playing with, with AI. So there's a lot of players that you could put there. You know, you could you could put, you know, there, there's different players, you know, you can put around. Let's say, okay, we I'm just trying to think off the top, you know, okay, you don't want to put Scotty Pippen there. You know, you could put like like there was a player, for instance, that I thought was a phenomenal player, Rodney McCray. Okay who could do the same things, not to the degree of Scottie Pippen, but in his heyday, oh man, he was, you know, you could, you could, you could, you could, you could put Detlef Shrimp there. There's a lot of hear, different players. Do you want to hear who I put? Because I tried that? to make it a little bit, I put it more modern though. I thought, okay, cool. If I'm going to have AI, I want him to be my one. Even though he played the two, I want him to be my primary ball handler. But then I also want him in the backcourt with someone else who can guard the other team's best guard and someone who's going to give him space to operate and do his thing. I want him there with Clay Thompson. I want Clay to be able to pick Ooh, up the other team's better. I don't like that. I don't like you don't that. like that fit? Why do you not like that uh, fit? Because you need you need ball handlers. 
You always got to have a ball handler. You always got to have a, a ball handler. But AI's greatest strength is his ability to score. Now I'm going to ask him to be a ball handler, just like just like Steph Curry. Like th- that's what makes Steph so unique, is because I don't ask Steph to be my primary ball handler. You can't. He wouldn't be yeah, Steph yeah, Curry yeah. then, because, because you got Draymond Green facilitating, right? Yes. Now on my well, team, you, at my yeah, four, I would want Chris Webber. Because he's a great passer. He can be a little bit of a playmaker too. He can go out and get his own. The same way that Steph has Draymond Green. What do you think about that fit AI and Chris Webber? Don't like it. You don't like it? Why yeah, not? And reason I don't, the reason I don't like it is because Chris Webber, okay. Draymond is, is a fascinating player from this regard. He rebounds the ball and pushes it out. Chris yes. Webber passes the ball from the post, from the pinch post. Yeah. As a score. Okay. You got to play through Chris. I don't have to play mm. through Draymond. I'm just saying for me. Because I AI's got to get AI's got to get touches. AI has to get 30, 40, 50 touches with the ball with a live dribble below the free throw line, or else he can't be AI. That, 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 that's a, now so now when I rebound the ball I'm not going to ask Chris Webber to do what Draymond Green does I can't I, I mean I, it's just me but maybe you're right I have no idea I'm just saying for me I see Webb rebound the basketball outlet it and then see what's happening now but I'm not going to ask C. Webb to dribble the ball, do all the things that Draymond does. No, I, I can't do that. Now, can he do it? Yeah, I think he can, but that's not his game. But that's just me. That's just... And I have to keep this the, the, the court spaced enough so that AI can... I'm building around AI. Or at least that's how the that's how I took the question. That's how I took the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's I a good name. I, I think moving forward, I need to be more clear on the questions because... Yes. Five Hall of Famous, that's just OP. But let us know in the Discord who you want to hear these questions about. Let us know your hot takes and your questions that we can answer here on a show. Because BJ, we told them the next 250 are going to be better than the last 250. So we got to keep it rolling. So make sure that you do not miss an episode by subscribing to the Hoop Genius Podcast on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you follow along and never miss an episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more talk from all around the NBA. And until then, you guys know the vibes. Get buckets.